Join us on Civil War Talk Radio when we return with Steve Courtney, editor of the Civil War Letters of Joseph Hopkins Twitchell, and we'll put Steve Courtney on the Civil War time machine. Hi, Tom Bodette from Motel 6 with a word for business travelers. Seems business has its own language these days, full of buzzwords, like buzzword or net-net. And after a day spent whiteboarding a matrix of action items and deliverables, it's nice to know you can always outsource your accommodation needs to the nearest Motel 6. You'll get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price, net-net, of any national chain, plus data ports and free local calls, in case you tabled your discussion and need to reconvene offline. So you can think of Motel 6 as your total business travel solution provider, vis-a-vis cost-effective lodging alternatives for Q1 through Q4, I think. Just call 1-800-4-MOTEL-6 or visit motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll maintain the lighting device in its current state of illumination for you. Motel 6 and a core hotel. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Steve Courtney, editor, co-editor with Peter Mesent of the Civil War Letters of Joseph Hopkins Twitchell, A Kaplan's Story. We've been talking about the remarkable Civil War career of Chaplain Twitchell, who served in the 2nd Excelsior Regiment, or 71st New York Infantry Regiment, in the Army of the Potomac. They saw a lot of action at uh, many battles, and uh, Twitchell, as chaplain, was involved in uh, caring for the wounded, uh, both during and, and after the battles. Steve, when you were... Well, let me go back to the letters themselves. Uh, there were 900 pages of letters, according to your introduction. Yeah. How did you decide what you were going to put in the book? The book, I will assure the listeners, is not 900 pages long. No, it's only about 300 pages. Um, it um, it was a, a tough decision to what to put in and what not to put in, but I think um, you know both Pete and I agreed on the most uh, now that there were certain scenes that that were repetitive of other scenes um i mean as, there are dozens of hospital scenes in the book as there as it stands now there were many more um you know if you look at the entire manuscript of letters um the i think uh, of course we wanted to get some of the the salient battles in i mean gettysburg naturally and fredericksburg um <clears throat> The uh, you know the intricacies of the Peninsula Campaign. Uh, then there are simply things that are just um, good stories. I mean, there's a terrific account of that very first winter of the war in Maryland, um, when a group of slave hunters came into the camp looking for slaves who had run away from local landowners, and um, and took taken refuge in the in the army camps, uh, which was a fairly common practice. But um, 
you know, the legalities of war and the politics of keeping Maryland in the Union, um, you know, required that these people be returned. And there was a lot of, uh, as you might imagine, there was a lot of hard feeling about this. And the, the story of what happened when these slave hunters came into the camp is really one of the high points of, of these letters. Um, uh, just uh, and and the way and the way Twitchell viewed it as a kind of a uh, a, a sign of the uh, how the inner conscience of man works despite outward politics and prejudices and so forth. You know, basically the soldiers told the slave hunters to go uh, go hang and. Uh, and General Sickles, uh, in a moment of tremendous courage, because he was countering a or- direct order from General Hooker, um, agreed. He said, order them out of the camp at once. And uh, all these Irish Catholics, many of whom were very anti-Lincoln, had, uh, had a, they hadn't exactly favored slavery, but they certainly didn't like the slaves, and they were some of them were downright uh, racist. Um, they they didn't like this idea that these men were coming in, telling them what to do, and taking away people that they had come to know. And they drove them out of the camp, uh, throwing loaves of bread, stones, clods of mud, until the last uh, horse's tail disappeared in the distance. I think that is a great story. It's it's uh, and it was it is one that's repeated throughout the Union armies, uh, both in the eastern and western theaters. Huh. And it, it, I think it illustrates how anti-slavery spirit was, how it grew within the armies, not necessarily out of sympathy for the slaves, but uh, yeah. huh. a, a sense of who's, you're not going to tell us what to do. Right. Uh, yeah, it was a very interesting thing. I mean, Twitchell, of course, he, he, he yearned through the whole early part of the war for the war to take on an anti-slavery mission because uh, that was his bringing up in, in in Connecticut, I mean, he, he was from a staunchly abolitionist family, um, but uh, you know, of course, and when Lincoln finally uh, delivered the Emancipation Proclamation, he felt it was a, a great time because finally the the war was taking on a moral quality that he felt it didn't quite have before. And you certainly get that through his letters, his own attempts to. Uh, I wouldn't say impose a, a moral quality, but rather to, uh, I'll just say to minister to his his flock. He he's always reporting how many men would come to services. Yes. Uh, the efforts he made to try to have services at all. It, it, it just the logistics of it were uh, uh, were a problem. The war didn't stop on Sundays for uh, uh, for Twitchell or other chaplains. Right. No, that the, was the big big day. Did you? Would you say you like uh, this guy Twitchell? Oh, I I absolutely uh, uh, adore him. <laughs> I mean, he's, uh, he was uh, he. I mean, his letters are just um, uh, his. He has this open quality. I mean, um, he speaks so frankly to his father. His father died halfway through the war, but his the early letters. Um, you know, he had this tremendous uh, rapport with his dad in in their beliefs and in, in talking about his innermost uh, uh, worries and, and fears about the war and, um, and you know, his horror at what was going on around him. Um, he, he just has an openness that's 
uh, tremendously appealing. And, you know, this is not simply um, the kind of letter that says, uh, you know, woke up in the morning, it was raining, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, he really uh, talks quite a bit about his inner life. Um, and because I, I'm, I am writing a biography of Twitchell and that not only includes the Civil War, but all the other portions of his life, his life in Hartford, his life before the war, his career at Yale. Um, I, I've gotten to know him pretty darn well, and you know he 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 could be a bit of a, a prig. He was a he he had an upper class Yale education, and he was you know could be a little bit of a snob sometimes. But um, but for the most part, he was uh, he had that kind of openness towards the the men all around him that. Uh, that, that anyone could want from a chaplain, I think. I, I, I share that view, having read, not obviously, as much as you have uh, about him or by him, but he does come across in the letters you present as, as extremely uh, earnest, but not in a, uh, uh irritating way. He, he's hmm. just open and, uh, and, and very appealing. Uh, he, he seems like a guy you'd want to know, uh, even if you didn't share his views or didn't share his uh, religious persuasion, yeah, you Mark like... Twain once said of somebody he met that he is he is a Twitchell. You are acquainted with him as soon as you take him by the hand. Well, that that's a good uh, a good thought, and you certainly do become acquainted with the author here. In, in one of the very first letters, he he's talking about. Uh, how he hopes he'll be able to break through to the, the soldiers because of their youth. And he says, my reliance is mostly on the youth of the larger number. A boy of 20 years is generally approachable. Yeah. And that just cracked me up. A boy of 20 years is approachable, but Twitchell's only 22. I know. <laughs> uh, from from the great heights of 22, he looks down on Right, right. Uh, but it doesn't come across like... Uh, even though he's unaware of the irony of that, it, 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 there's something amusing rather than... Uh, yeah, it's not condescension. It's, not at all, no. It's it, more uh, just an earnest uh, statement of fact. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Twain is, is famous for, uh, I know I'll mis, misquote it, but uh, the idea of how, how, how dumb his own father was when he was 17. Oh, right. And, of course, by the time he was 21, he was astonished how much the old man had learned. Had learned, right. <laughs> And, and I guess most of us experience that in our yes, lives. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I would agree with you that Twitchell is uh, really a, a very appealing character and, and makes me want to continue reading this. Uh, well, a question I often ask people, the uh, Civil War time machine question, hmm. uh, is, is to ask who, if they could go back for an hour into history and visit with someone, uh, who it would like to be, and I would guess uh, Twitchell being too obvious an answer. Uh, <laughs> is there anyone else you've encountered? Who else in, in this in this group? I, I mean, I certainly would love to meet uh, Sickles. I think Sickles is a fascinating guy, and, uh, and there was a recent biography by Thomas Keneally, uh, which drew on earlier great biographies by people like Swanberg. Um, the... I think Sickles, uh, because of his incredible mixture of, you know, tremendous courage and complete egotism and uh, self-promotion, uh, <laughs> it's he just he seems like um, I mean it's just extraordinary. I mean 
in the very last year year of his life, he asked Twitchell to speak at his funeral and to read out a letter from Longstreet that said that he did the right thing at Gettysburg, that Sickles did the right thing at Gettysburg, uh. you know, which, uh, which obviously Sickles treasured this letter he had gotten from Longstreet back in the 1880s, and he wanted Twitchell to read it at his funeral. Of the uh, the Keneally biography and the, the Swanberg biography, uh, which do you prefer? I think uh, Keneally is beautifully written, and I like the the incidents that he brings forward. Um, there's this great description of what, what is it a masquerade party in Washington before the war, at which almost all the characters uh, who are going to be fighting each other in the following decade are. Um, you know, appear in all sorts of interesting costumes. I mean, that's the, that's a novelist's uh, skill to bring that kind of a scene forward. Um, I like Swanberg for facts and figures, and and for the just getting the straight story. And um, uh, you know, he covers. Uh, I think he covers the story very well, as as does. And I'm sorry, I don't know the don't remember the author, but the congressman who got away with murder. Um, another book about sickles um, is is a is a good one too. Well, those are all ones uh, that can be highly recommended to our listeners, yeah. but certainly they will not want to miss uh, the book that you and Peter Messent have edited, the Civil War Letters of Joseph Hopkins Twitchell, a Chaplain's Story. Well, I. Uh, but I said when I first contacted you, I really enjoyed reading this book, and I thought Thank you. It, it brought a, uh, uh, a a new look, new insight into uh, the category of the soldier's memoir. There, there are dozens, hundreds of uh, collections of Civil War letters that have been edited and published, but this one has really good notes that tell the reader uh, enough so you can follow the action but not too much. I guess you're going to, to miss with any audience. There's going to be some people uh, who need to know more or, or don't need to know quite so much. Right. But I think for listeners of this program, uh, you'll really enjoy the notes. They, they give you the background you need, tell you things you didn't know, and they don't give you a, a short two-page description of the Battle of Gettysburg, which either you already know it or you wouldn't be reading this book. Uh, and it has uh, good maps, good illustrations, uh, really a, a fine piece of work. Thank you very, very much. Enjoyed. Uh, what did your you said you're working on a biography of Twitchell? That's yes, the, so in fact, it project. is now with the publisher, uh, the same publisher, University of Georgia Press. Uh, it's uh, it's his entire life, uh, from his early life in this Connecticut town to um, to his late life as a major figure in Hartford, Connecticut, which was a which was actually in the Gilded Age, the, the most, the wealthiest town in terms of wealth produced of, of any city in the country, and uh, it was a, a tremendously influential place. And the story of his friendship with Mark Twain is uh, is fascinating too, because it had its ups and downs. Believe me. Well, uh, assuming uh, as I will that it measures up to the uh, the letters of Twitchell himself, that will be a book we'll all look forward to. Yeah. Well, I can't say that it's going to be as, as good a writer as Joe Twitchell, but I'll, I appreciate that thought. Well, I, I certainly will look forward to seeing that book uh, when it's available. And in the meantime, I will remind our readers, uh, go to the University of Georgia 
WordPress website or Amazon or wherever you care to go and uh, or the local independent bookstore, best of all, and get yourself a copy of the Civil War Letters of Joseph Hopkins Twitchell. Well, we're at the end of our time, uh, too soon as always, but Steve, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Jerry. And listeners, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio.